Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 112. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT Podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT Podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, and if this is your first time joining us here at the MCAT Podcast or on the MCAT Podcast, welcome. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. I encourage you, however you're listening to this, whether you're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast app that you subscribe to this podcast so that you get it for free every week. I also encourage you to check out all the other podcasts that we offer at Med Ed Media, including the Pre-Med Years, Old Pre-Meds Podcast, Specialty Stories, Ask Dr. Gray, Pre-Med Q&A, and many more to come, including podcasts from the TMD SAS world about the Texas Medical and Dental School Application Service. They have their podcasts on the MedEd Media Network, as well as University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine's Shortcoat Podcasts, all at mededmedia.com. Today, we have another great episode diving into some more cars. Let's go and dive right in. Clara, welcome back to the MCAT podcast for some more fun car sections. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm good. I'm excited to be here. What uh, What is in store for us today with passage number four? All right. So we have some some fun in this passage. So this passage is about playwriting. So it's different from any of the ones we've done previously so far. Um, so we're going to get to see what the author's opinion is here. Uh, and then we're going to go tackle some questions. All right. Go ahead and read that one for us. All right. Um, passage four. You ask me how one can write an excellent play. I must tell you that it is not as easy as it seems. That is, what is truly difficult is to write a play that the public will appreciate to be excellent. I do not intend to deny the value of talent, skill, and experience. But in what proportions do they contribute to the result? With study, patience, memory, and energy, a man can gain a reputation as a painter or a sculptor or a musician. In those arts, there are material and mechanical procedures that he can make his own. This man can gain talent, ability, and can attain to success. The public, to whom these works are submitted, have none of the technical knowledge involved. Thus, from the beginning, they regard the makers of these works as their superiors. They feel that the artist can always reply to any criticism. Have you learned painting, sculpture, music? No? Then don't talk so vainly. You cannot judge. You must be of the craft to understand the beauties. And so on. It is thus that the good-natured public is frequently imposed on in painting, in sculpture, in music, by certain schools and celebrities. It does not dare to protest. But with regard to drama and comedy, the situation is altered. 
the public is an interested party to the proceedings and appears, so to speak, for the prosecution in the case. The language that we use in our plays is the language used by the spectators every day. The sentiments that we depict are theirs. The persons whom we set to acting are the spectators themselves and instantly recognize passions and familiar situations. No preparatory studies are necessary. No initiation in a studio or school is indispensable. Eyes to see, ears to hear, that's all they need. The moment we depart, I will not say from the truth, but from what they think is truth, they stop listening. For in the theater, as in life, of which the theater is the reflection, there are two kinds of truth. First, the absolute truth, which always in the end prevails, and secondly, if not the false, at least the superficial truth, which consists of customs, manners, social conventions, the uncompromising truth which revolts, and the pliant truth which yields to human weakness. It is only by making every kind of concession to the second that we can succeed in ending with the first. The spectators, like all sovereigns, like kings and nations, do not like to be told the truth, all the truth. Let me add quickly that they have an excuse, which is that they do not know the truth. They have rarely been told it. They therefore wish to be flattered, pitied, consoled, taken away from their preoccupations and their worries, which are nearly all due to ignorance, but which they consider the greatest and most unmerited to be found anywhere because their own. All right. Wow. <laughs> okay. It sounds like somebody from like the 1700s, 1600s that wrote this the way that the language is. So it makes it a little bit harder to follow, but let's see how we can do. Um, question 19, the central goal of this passage is to A, propose that is that it is virtually impossible to write an excellent play. B, argue that painters, sculptors, and musicians are overly revered and playwrights under, underappreciated by the general public. C, plead that spectators learn to distinguish between absolute and superficial truths. Or D, explain the challenges facing the playwright as they relate to the predilections of the spectators. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, um, a, I'm going to throw out right off the top because it's it's too it's too absolute. Um, so I I would just throw that out, not really knowing anything else. Um, Definitely. B, argue that painters, sculptors, and musicians. So I would jump back up to the the paragraph where it talked about sculptors, painters, and musicians. Um, and it says, they feel that the artist can always reply to any criticism. Have you learned painting, sculpture, music? No. Then don't talk so vainly. So it sounds like before, um, before that sentence, they, the, the writer is saying, stop, stop criticizing everybody. Have you done it? Then if you haven't, then don't criticize. Um, so I would say B isn't true either because that's not what they're saying. Um, C, plead that spectators learn to distinguish between absolute and superficial truths. Um, the, the last paragraph is all about truths, and it says, the spectators, like all sovereigns, kings and queens, do not like to be told the truth, all the truth. Uh, and so it doesn't, I don't really see, uh, unless I missed um, a bunch, there's some truth in the previous paragraph um, that, I don't know, that, that one doesn't really make much sense to me. Uh, but D really stands out. Explain the challenges facing the playwright as they relate to the predilections of the spectators. Because the, the writer is saying, hey, we are trying to write as if the spectators are these people acting. And so they connect with it and, and et cetera. So I would go with D for this answer. That's great. 
It is D. All right. So so the thought process was good going through that? Absolutely. Yeah. So your thought process was really good here. Um, so you just went through the answer choices one by one. Um, for a couple of them, you went back a little bit, uh, and that's definitely helpful. Uh, you didn't spend too much time digging into the passage. Like, for example, um, A, you got rid of right away, which is great because A was extreme. Um, B and C definitely have some basis in the passage, but instead of just uh, spending, you know, a minute or two minutes, like, trying to figure out if they're, if they're exactly true, um, we can get rid of B and C because they just aren't the main idea here, mm-hmm. right? So even if B was correct, um, just like you said, B was only really talked about in that first paragraph, even only just part of that first paragraph. Um, and then C was only discussed later in the passage. So D fits a lot better here because the whole passage is explaining these challenges facing the playwright um, in writing this play that the public will accept. Nice. Okay. Great. All right. Yeah, so number 20. What does the author most likely mean when he says that the public, quote, appears for the prosecution in the case? A, the public expects playwrights to be knowledgeable about music, painting, and sculpture. B, spectators consider themselves knowledgeable about drama and feel free to criticize playwrights. C, the public prefers dramas that encourage their neighbors to confront uncompromising truths. And D, the drama of the courtroom is a metaphor for the conflicts that individuals face in everyday life. Wow. (laughs) So it is it is hard because prosecution in the case, I'm I'm having a hard time understanding exactly what that means or what he he's trying to make it means. Obviously, we can think of the courtroom and, and prosecuting a case in that way. But I'm like, how does that relate to? what he's saying here with the public um and and being a playwright and writing uh, which is the main um goal of the passage uh all right so we go through expects playwrights to be knowledgeable about music painting and sculpture Uh, i don't know about that one spectators consider themselves knowledgeable about drama and feel feel free to criticize playwrights that makes a little bit more sense again the central goal is to to talk about um, the challenges, and so he's saying the public, uh, and he talked about it earlier uh, about the painters and sculptors and musicians. Like, don't criticize unless you've done it. Um, so maybe that's what he's talking about: prosecuting the the playwrights. Um, see, the public prefers dramas and encourages their neighbors to confront uncompromising truths. I don't think uh, that came across anywhere. Indeed, the drama of the courtroom is a metaphor for the conflicts that individuals face in everyday life. So it's like, oh, prosecution, courtroom. Are they trying to to play words with me here? Um, so I, I would have to narrow it down to D and B. And, and just because I think that the courtroom lingo is trying to pull me, I would go with B. With B? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, B is correct. All right. <laughs> Good job. Um. Yeah, that was great. And I was actually just about to say the same thing about D, which was the one that you were tempted by. Um, Because D starts out really tempting, right? The drama of the courtroom is a metaphor. Mm -hmm. And we think, well, you know, of course it's a metaphor because this passage isn't talking directly about um, court cases and prosecution. Uh, So it's definitely a metaphor for something. But then the rest of D just isn't right because um, it says it's a metaphor for the conflicts that individuals face in everyday life. And this whole passage is about the struggles of the playwright um, in making this excellent play. 
so saying that it's a metaphor for everyday life, that doesn't fit in with this idea of writing plays at all. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, good. And yeah, and then B makes perfect sense here because this whole passage, again, is about the struggle of the playwright to write a play that the public will accept. And this sort of metaphor, this comparison to painting, sculpture, and music is saying, oh, um, the public th- thinks they can understand plays so they feel more open to criticize them. Whereas the the artist in a sculpture, a sculptor or a musician can always say, oh, you don't understand sculpture or music, so you can't criticize. <laughs> it's abstract. You can't. You just aren't smart enough to understand. <laughs> exactly. Interesting. Okay. So question 21. According to the passage, which of the following words best des- describes the attitude that a typical individual might hold toward a concert violinist? A, reverent, B, skeptical, C, sentimental, or D, judgmental. And so, again, we're, we're brought up to the, the criticizing of the public, potentially to the painter, sculptor, musician. And if you haven't done that, then uh, you, shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't potentially um, uh, criticize. So reverent, skeptical, sentimental, judgmental. Oh, I don't know. Let's see. So that's the only place where I remember music being talked about. And so that really, it, it's hard. I, I want to go with judgmental, but there's something about sentimental that just, that that holds out. But I, I'm going to go with judgmental in D. Uh, this is a tough one. This is a hard so, one. Yeah. yeah. I got it wrong. Um, that's okay. It, yeah, that's okay. So it is not judgmental. Um, so it, the answer here is actually one that you weren't considering, uh, which is A, reverent. Mm. Um, and let me tell you exactly how we can find that. Because here, since these answer choices are just individual words, it's really easy to just avoid going back to the passage and just try to like think about um, what we remember about the attitude um, that was sort of conveyed in that part of the passage. You know, was it positive? Was it negative? Um, Reverent is a positive word, whereas judgmental is is kind of negative. Uh, But we can always go back because this is a very specific part of the passage, right? The part about the concert violinist um, or the part about the musicians in general is the first paragraph. So, if we just go back to that first paragraph where they first start to talk about um, painters, sculptors, and musicians, we actually see a sentence where um, near the middle of that paragraph where it says, thus, from the beginning, they regard the makers of these works as their superiors. Yeah. Yeah. So the public regards the makers of these musical or sculpture um, works as their superiors. So that fits in with reverent, this idea that they revere them. They think that they are superior. Okay. There we go. I had, All right. to, I had to go up a little bit. I was too far down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you ever aren't sure, um, like you were debating there between C and D still, um, you can always take another 10 seconds or so and just look outside the window that you've been looking at because uh, the MCAT's a very direct test. So if you are looking at one specific like pinpointed part of the passage and you just aren't sure, try looking at like the sentence before or the sentence after that because uh, there might be a more clear um, phrase pointing towards the correct answer there. Okay. I, and I think I've been I've been misinterpreting the then don't talk so vainly after after getting that part. So um, looking at these people as superiors, the author is saying, don't hold them to such high esteem. It's really not that hard. Being a playwright's much harder. It seems like he's saying. 
<laughs> the author is definitely um, pro playwright here. So, so yes. And you know, one thing that can really help us here is um, near the very end of that paragraph, there's a sentence that says, but with regard to drama and comedy, the situation is altered. Um, so altered is almost saying like there's some sort of opposite relationship here. And so the painter, sculptor, and musician, that's on one hand, the playwright, that's on another hand, and the author is very clearly on the side of the playwright because that's his whole perspective is how, yeah. how difficult it is to write a play. So he's saying, yeah, it's really difficult to write a play, um, even though the public just reveres these painters and sculptors because they think they've never studied music and they have no idea. Um, maybe they should revere the playwright too. Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, number 23, this is our last one. So which of the statements below might provide the author's answer to his friend's question regarding how one can write a play that audiences will regard as excellent? A, I wish I knew. Audiences think they know all, but shy away from what is real and true. B, the key is speaking your truth. If you write what you know is important, they will hear you. C, knowledge of the beauties is all. School yourself in painting, sculpture, and music. And D, I'm not sure, but if you avoid the superficial truths, the audience will heed your message. Mm. So it's it's interesting. The answer A is tempting because shy away from what is real and true, because in the last paragraph, he's saying that spectators do not like to be told the truth. Um, but then to say, I wish I knew, he a lot of it is about how to write a, a good playwright or how to write a good a good uh, play so that's an interesting one so i'll keep that one in my back pocket b the key is speaking your truth if you write what you know is important they will hear you and he didn't really talk much uh, that i remember about just do what you want to do and and leaving the audience out of it uh <laughs> c knowledge of all uh, of the beauties is all school yourself in painting sculpture music that's not what he was talking about either uh, D, I am not sure, but if you avoid the superficial truths, the audience will heed your message. Uh, and so going back to A, that really seems like the best answer based out of everything else, even though I'd, I don't know the I wish I knew part, but I would go with A. You're right. Okay. <laughs> yes, you're right. And and this is a really common dilemma for these um two-part answer choices, right? Because there, there's sort of two parts here. There's I wish I knew. There's like a first part to every answer choice. And then there's a sort of a second like explanation part after a semicolon here. So I wish I knew. We might not be so sure about that. But then the second part looks great, right? Mm -hmm. Audiences definitely don't, um, don't seem to like truth all the time according to the end of this passage. Um, so... So you did the right thing here. It would be tempting to maybe just cross out A right away because you didn't like that I wish I knew part, but it's important to then look at all the other answer choices and make sure A isn't the best option, which here it was. All right. Man, I should go back and take the MCAT. I think I'd crush cars. <laughs> Even though verbal <laughs> like reasoning it. was the worst in, in my uh, when I took the MCAT way back, way back in the day um, <laughs> because I'm such a slow reader, and with, which hasn't changed. So I'd still do poorly because I wouldn't finish all of the passages. Oh, well, who knows? Maybe maybe you've improved. Oh, we'll see. All right. Any uh, last minute takeaways for this passage? Uh, no, I think that was just about it. So so that was pretty good. This was a tough one, everyone. So um, the language was a little bit older, a little bit less natural. So if you understood this one, you're in good shape. All right. So there you have it. Some more cars prep for you. Cars is hard. 
as you see, when I go through these, it's really, really hard. And hopefully as we go through, the, through these, you're seeing the mistakes that I make and you will hopefully avoid those mistakes on your test day. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast in Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts if that's available yet for rating and reviewing. I don't think it is. Um, and uh, don't forget, again, to subscribe and tell a friend about this podcast. Tell an advisor, tell a friend. That's what I would like you to do. If you are in the market for a tutor, for an MCAT tutor, go check out Next Step Test Prep. That is what they are known for. They're one-on-one tutoring. That's how they started, as a tutoring company. And when I send students to Next Step, sometimes it doesn't work out, but the majority of the time, the students have great success with their tutor. And if you don't jive with the tutor, then they'll find you another one. They have amazing tutors that are hand-picked, hand-selected, hand-taught, not just because they got a great score on the MCAT, but because they are also great teachers. Go check them out, nextsteptestprep.com. Use the promo code MCATPOD, that's all capital letters, M-C-A-T-P-O-D, to save some money on the tutoring or any other services that Next Step has to offer. Have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast when we do some more cars.